This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. It's big news that we've kind of been waiting on tenterhooks for for a while. The, the situation at the moment is that everything is going on behind closed doors in terms of sport and organised sport. And now we're getting uh, news coming out of official quarters that, that fans will be permitted back into stadiums in the near future. Yeah, confirmed last night, Dubai Sports Council's health and safety protocols, they have uh, obtained approval from the Executive Council of Dubai and the Supreme Committee of Crisis and Disaster Management. That is for a return of spectators to sports events at a maximum of 30% capacity. That's the official line. How does that translate in reality? Well, a couple of things. So we know, and we had Thomas uh, Burwell uh, from the Dubai Sevens, he is, of course, the uh, the tournament organizer. He is also the GM of the Dubai Sevens, uh, HSBC Dubai Rugby Sevens uh, series, and the Emirates Island Dubai Rugby Sevens. It's off the calendar yeah. this year. It ain't coming back. It will be back bigger and better in 2021. So we can put that to a side. The Arabian Gulf League. Speaking with those guys today, they are wait and see on this. They want to see how it all equals out because you and I were having this conversation in the office a little earlier. It's about the integrity of the event because if you have Dubai teams and it's important to point out this is a Dubai announcement this doesn't this isn't pertaining to Abu Dhabi or the other Emirates as far as we know it the integrity of the Arabian Gulf League the Dubai clubs get fans in other clubs dotted around the country don't there's an integrity question there from the outset or from the outside I think it would be pertinent I agree but maybe to put this to vote and, and maybe that will be done. Uh, as I say, right of this very second, with the announcement just last night, I think one or two stakeholders, one or two entities, are just taking their time to take stock, to look at it and see, right, if we are to do this, how do we do it in a safe manner? It's not a case of saying, right, 30% of fans, in you come and away you go. There will mm. still need to be a number of safety protocols popped in place. Now, I also spoke to European Tour today, of course, two monster events on the horizon that I know you and I are incredibly excited about. You've got the Golf and Dubai Championship yep. presented by DP World. That's going to be up on the Jumeirah Golf Estates Fire Course at the start of December. That is then followed the week after by the flagship event on the European Tour, the DP World Tour Championship. Now, the word there is talks are taking place between the European Tour and local organisers. It is, however, as you well know, Rob, time spans here. It's a two-week timeline. Logistics, logistically, how do they get the message out? How do they get tickets out? How do they ensure the safety of fans coming in to both the fire course and the earth course for it's those It's a European tour decision, that, as well. That's it, not, it's not it just be. down to, because, of course, the European tour being a global tour, it's obviously dealing with a lot of tourism authorities and, and various international organisers mm. and governments and what have you. So I think the European tour will need to make a decision on on their policy and their standing on it. Even if it's an OK rule in Dubai, they may decide that right now we're not comfortable yeah. having spectators at the events because when you go through the rigmarole of actually setting up a behind-closed-doors sporting event, it's actually, as you said, very difficult to go back to. It's not just Absolutely. a case of opening the doors no. to 30%. It's, uh, it's, it's a palaver to get 30% of people <laughs> back word. in. Great word, Palava, by the way. Yeah, you're right. It's not just pushing a button. There's a lot of, uh, I guess, workings that go on behind the scenes. There's a lot of individuals involved in this. But of course, it is exciting nonetheless. The fact that the powers that be here in Dubai are saying, listen, 
30% capacity is now allowed. You can understand why local organisers, and I'm talking golf here, for those two big events, we've been inundated by messages on 4001. I keep getting inundated on my DMs of people saying, how do I obtain a, a ticket, Chris? How can I get there? What strings can you pull? I can pull no strings. You need to stay tuned, though, to this particular show because if there is a decision that no fans are allowed in, we may have a couple of golden tickets for you. That's all I can say on that matter. But it, it is, there's no doubt there's a thirst. People want to start returning, if it's safe to do so, back to these sporting events. But there's a lot that needs to happen. And as I say, from a European Tour perspective, local organisers perspective you can understand yes the desire for it but what are we monday the 16th of november we're two weeks away rob just a little over two weeks away that is a short no, come window. on no way i mean you need to be it's months you need you need a month in the build-up at least to get and i don't think i'd be shocked if there are spectators at either of the events just as from my hunch i don't that's i'm not going off any no. intel or information that i've been given i would be shocked if those events can accommodate spectators. I have had it under good authority. A good source of mine has told me that they have been locked in talks all day. So there'll be a desire on one part. I'm sure the local organisers, truth be told, and again, I'm not basing this on anything other than conjecture, would want some fans. If it's saying 30%, let's allow individuals who love their golf to come in. It's safe to do so. 30% Promise you've also got to protect the players. Well, this and, and is they it. Will, they will have their stakeholder. It. Yeah. Because the players are putting their own health at risk to travel the world to, Absolutely. to play golf. And a lot of them, you know, to, to, to ensure you get the, the best field possible and that you attract all the big guys, the Rams and the McElroys, etc., you need to have that controlled environment. Yeah. Otherwise, they just will not simply want to come because getting, getting COVID-19 is obviously going to be – it may not be uh, – severely detrimental to their health in the way that it would be for an older person but it would it would impact their, oh, their calendar and, and how and a lot of these guys are family men right a, a lot of these guys don't want it don't want to take it home the, the rigmarole that you have to go through if you are and I'm sure a lot of our listeners perhaps have had and it seems like most athletes have had it by now yeah, I mean, so many have, have. So it's whilst on the one hand it's great news, I think the, the, the word that I would use is, is you've got to be kind of patient and cautious a little bit. Yes, it's fantastic, 30% capacity. It might take a few weeks, a few months. We might even be into 2021 before we start to see it come to fruition, whereby the Arabian Gulf League, if I use them as a great example, are ready where they feel secure and safe enough to say, OK, guys, in you come. We're opening up the doors to these stadia now and you can come in and watch some fantastic sporting Bro action. Broadening it out to the international uh, spectrum, it's interesting to see the, the comments made by Mr. Bark, the president Huge. of the IOC, because what does that effect have on... I'm starting to think that the Euros is going to be a behind-closed-door event. Well, yeah, I've got various thoughts on that. I think I mentioned it last night. I think ultimately it will not be a European-wide event. It will go into a country and the country will... Uh, you know, you know, figuratively close the door on it. Whether there's fans in stadia come June next year remains to be seen. Well, I was just, saying, just looking at the timelines of, of whether... OK, first of all, this vaccine has to be rolled out and it has to be successful Correct. with the public at large. Yes. It's all very well and good saying it's 95% successful with a sample rate of 1,100 people. But it has to be successful and it has to be successfully rolled out, OK? Mm -hmm. If the UK aren't getting that vaccine till the spring and it will take time to roll it out, it will take time to inoculate all these individuals whereby... Essentially, the threat of the virus is is, is immobilized. Yeah, we're not going to get we're, we're, nothing's going to change between now and then. No, it, to, to the and idea that you could have 
50, 60, 75% capacity stadiums is, is you know, fanciful. Spectators is one thing. The, the comments, and if you are just joining us this evening for the Sporting Hour, uh, Thomas Bark, who is the IOC president, the International Olympic Committee president, the, the, the bigger line in all of that, Rob, is the fact that he has essentially stated that participants will need to have taken the vaccine. Now, again, I take Novak Djokovic as a case in point. He is a, a rather vocal anti-vaxxer. He has said that. Whether his position has changed, we haven't heard from Novak Djokovic since he made those well-documented comments. Now, what impact does that have? Because I'm sure there are a number of athletes yeah. who have their own moral ethic, and, and we're not going to go down that route, but does that mean their dream's going to be taken away from them if they decide, I don't want to take well, any vaccine that is offered? So that's why I said in they my They may change headline, their tune if, if that's the rule. They might, but the fact he said it, Rob, that leads me to, to think that we could be in for a bit of a... A bit of a storm in the coming mm. weeks and months. There's no doubt about that. You're listening to Off Script Extra Time with Chris and Robbie. Compelling debate and strong opinions from the world of sport. Fard has been in touch. My two cents on the Masters. Congrats to DJ. Well deserved, but not a surprise as his form is at a high the last few months. Sunjay Im gets the, the, uh, the round of the final with his gritty performance. Skills around the green under that pressure was amazing to watch. Kudos to Tiger for making five birdies after the 10th on the 12th. After the 10th, sorry, on the 12th. Bryson needs to realise he can't bomb fairways every course he plays. Langer, who is 63 years old, scored better and played better than Bryson. I sent mm. you that stat, Chris, about Bernard Langer. And if you haven't come across it, I'm sure anyone who likes their golf and has been following social media these last few days, might have stumbled across this stat. But this might just be the sporting stat of the year. This is a belter. Bernard Langer has competed in a major against Gene Sarazen, born in 1902, mm -hmm. and Abel Gallegos, born in 2002. That he has competed against opponents born exactly a century apart. Sarazen played his last major at the 76 Open Championship, so Sarazen himself that was first, wasn't it? Sarazen himself would have been 74. That's amazing. I mean, that's crazy. Uh, it must have been a ceremonial participation. Yeah. But Langer, uh, that was his first championship that he took part in. And then, of course, uh, Gallegos is, is a youngster who played in his first Masters in, uh, in 2020, I think. Yeah. 1902, 18 yeah. years of age. 1902. Uh, so that is just staggering longevity from Bernard Langer. It certainly is. And he's, that was one of the stats. There's so many doing the rounds. Uh, congratulations to Dustin Johnson. He did set the record at 20 under par. That is the lowest ever in Masters history. Put that down to... I put an asterisk on that. I'm inclined to asterisk that one. Because what? No fans? Held in November. Yeah, but it's still a Masters. I don't yeah, know. but fundamentally it's not the same course. Well, equally, he's got to go out and do it and he's done it. it no, no, he is. But it has to be. There's a reason why he's done it in November. Mm. There's a reason why. He did never, play well. There's a reason why we've out, never seen 20 under in, in April. We, we've seen 18 under, so it's not a massive difference. It's two no. shots and he did play very, he was very phenomenal. good golf. He was phenomenal. DJ. And when you look at not only that, his 10th yesterday was his 10th straight round under par at the Masters. That actually ties Tiger Woods for the longest streak of all time. He has been under par the last 10 rounds that he played. And what about this? This is an absolute doozy of a stat. When you look at his last runouts before coming into the Masters, DJ finished first, 12th, second, first, second, first, sixth, second. Yeah, He's in a heck of a form. Oh, he's incredible. And it's no real surprise that he has taken the green jackets. Uh, he was unflappable and he absolutely banished, as as we said last night that he would, that, that kind of hash, you know, 
inverted commas, choker tag because he had led four times after 54 yeah. holes and failed to convert them. But there was just a sense this week there was a feeling that, you know, without the crowds there, with, with the, with the low-key atmosphere around the tournament and the unusual time in the calendar that it fell, the form that he's in, that he was ready to go out there and just get the job done. And there were a couple of wobbles early. But his driving was just Prodigious. a thing of beauty. Mm. I mean, Bryson DeChambeau bludgeons the ball. Dustin Johnson is almost as long. He could, he could be as long. I'm sure if he put his mind to it, he'd probably be longer than Bryson DeChambeau. If, if Dustin swung like Bryson does, he would be longer because that man is just an athletic freak of nature. Mm-hmm. He's six foot four. He's incredibly flexible. He's incredibly strong. Yeah, he's like an NFL player. He, he, is, he is like he's tight just, Yeah, he is just... Yeah, the perfect golfing frame and physique. And uh, his driving was just so controlled. Mm. It was 320, 330 yards with that little fade down the middle on every single hole. And, of course, that just turns the course into just a little wedge game. Mm. You're just wedging in on most holes. And he's got such control with his wedge now that doesn't get enough credit for probably. And his putting, his chipping, when he did get out of position, like on the 11th hole, he delivered. He just hit a great chip yeah. on, a, on a difficult... And then, you know, we see with the, the 10 that Tiger Woods made, there are holes out there that can trip you up. So, a 10 for Tiger. If you missed it last night, a 10. Seven over par in one hole. It was a par three. He went into the water not once, but twice. Or three times. Three times, yeah. Three he times. went into the water off the tee. Tin cup Dropped into the water again. Then hit it into the back bunker, yes. into, thinned it into the water for the third time, dropped it back in the bunker, chopped out and two-putted for yeah, a 10. A 10. Now, you've got to give this man all the credit in the world, and it would be great, a sports psychologist, to delve in and get really nerdy with us. But for Tiger to hit a 10, seven over par on one hole, and then finish up by nailing five birdies and six, including four in a row. To the four in a row. Yeah. 15, I mean, 16, incredible. 17 and 18. That shows the... I guess, robustness of that man's Just so game. much grit. He's yeah. the only player who's ever lived who could do that. Yeah. Because that's the first 10 of his career. And every golfer has had a blow-up. Every golfer on the PJ Tour, if you trawled through the record books, you'd find one on Dustin Johnson's copybook. You'd find one on Rory McIlroy's. They've all had blow-ups of that nature, nines, tens, etc. But how have they responded to that? Mm. And that was just utter grit. There's just no give-up. There's just no give-up in him. No. And it's just, it's a marvel. At 44... You'd think he'd mail it in. There's no fans there. He's made a 10. He's massively oh, out of contention. He would, raging. he would have been raging, but he would have said to himself on that tw- on the, the 13th tee, right, I'm going to shoot three under coming in or four under coming in. And he went and did it five under. Amazing. Amazing. A couple of other little stats to throw at you, Cam. Uh, Cameron Smith, the Aussie. I know an awful lot of Aussies listen to us. Uh, first man in Masters history to shoot four rounds in the 60s. So congratulations. Okay, he's not picked up the green jacket, but that is yeah. a record. Another little pub quiz stat. And what about this one? This was a doozy from you a little earlier. Rory McIlroy, and we've talked about his travails and his kind of problems. You've got to go all the way back to, what, 2014 for his last major success? Yeah, the Open Championship. No, the PGA Championship. PGA. What about this for a stat? So if we start in 2015 until now, 23 majors in total, because, of course, the Open didn't take place in 2020. 23 majors in his last 23 since the start of 2015. His cumulative first rounds, he has a score of 28 over par. Compare and contrast that with his score from rounds two, three and four put together, 61 under. Yeah. 28 over for his first round and 61 Which under. Which if you think about it is an average of 20 under per round. That is mental. 
It's crazy. And again, he's just he's he's backdooring these top tens. That man. What does that tell you? And I I looked it up. I looked up. He's he's had seventeen top tens in majors. And the only one I can remember that he genuinely contended in was the 2018 Open Championship that Francesco Molinari won, where there was five or six of them in contention coming down the back nine at Carnoustie. All the others, he snuck into that top ten. He finished because like a freight train. Viewing. Yeah, because he's got no pressure on him and mm. he, he finished really strongly. So we need to see Rory go out, shoot a 68, a 67 in round one and stamp his authority on a major championship. And he, he needs to, and he's admitted it, he's paid tribute to Dustin Johnson saying he played plays golf like better than anyone that he's ever seen. Mentally, his attitude his to attitude, it. And yeah. it's just, yeah, Rory needs to go away and figure out what got him to those four majors and try and rekindle that. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.